What's going on in Peel region? That region is behind the provincial average in vaccinating children, those between five and 11, trying to get the shot. Now, according to the 2016 census, did you know this? I didn't know that. I found this fascinating. 18% of Peel's population, 14 and under. Now, compare that with Toronto at 14.5%. There are more young people in the region of Peel. And as of Wednesday, close to about 40% of Peel children, 5 to 11, had received at least one dose of the vaccine. And you got to compare that to the Ontario number, which is at 47% in that same demographic. How do we get more kids in Peel region to get the shot? Dr. Raputaman Minhas is a pediatrician at St. Michael's Hospital and joins me on the line. Welcome, doctor. Hi, Alan. Thanks for having me. What's the challenge, especially in Peel region, for this kind of outreach? Yeah, you know what? It's really, it's really difficult in, in, in our clinics and certainly with some of the online work that I do with, um, with parents um, from, a South Asian, from the South Asian community, um, um, many of whom are from Peel region. Um, we've been hearing um, a variety of different concerns um, around uh, the pediatric vaccine. And I think this is a really different conversation from what we were having a year ago when we were talking about um, you know, getting more awareness and promotion of the, the adult vaccine. And some of these concerns are around, um, you know, long-term impacts of the vaccine and misinformation that is, that is circulating related to that. Um, and also relating to some of, you know, the need and families are asking us, why is this necessary when we had been hearing earlier that the face of, of COVID and um, the most at-risk populations um, were, were thought to be um, the elderly or medically frail. So those are, those are some of the conversations that are coming up. And I think families are really looking for, um, for information to help with guiding some of these decisions. I think when we think about, you know, healthcare decisions for ourselves, there's a different layer of complexity when we think about decisions for our children as well. And with the complexity in Peel region, with the amount of diversity, when we think about, um, you know, racial and cultural and ethnic diversity, um, and also, um, you know, communities that may be marginalized in other ways, including socioeconomic status, um, high risk populations, like um, really the high proportion of Peel residents who work in essential um, occupations as well. There's a lot to consider here. Mm-hmm. And, and so you've, you've decided to take this uh, to social media, to TikTok, to Instagram. Uh, you're on there as Punjabi Kids Health. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it important to do outreach on those channels? Yeah, you know what, as, as uh, so myself identify as, um, as a Punjabi Indo-Canadian um, and um, I, in my home community of, of Brampton in Peel region, I was really um, struck by the, the gaps um, and really the underlying, the underlying differences during the earlier phases of the pandemic and we saw in how we were seeing different communities, um, and I'm thinking particularly cultural linguistic communities, how they were interacting with the healthcare system. And I think a lot of the focus around, um, you know, health literacy and health information um, initially was being communicated primarily in English um, and um, with a lot of, um, um, of, of layers that I think needed to be both translated, but also adapted to the needs of different communities as well. So because of that, about a year ago, we launched on this um, online health literacy campaign. Um, so I'm a pediatrician, as you mentioned, so it's called Punjabi Kids Health, and we try to share information that's evidence-based, that helps to myth bust, um, and is um, shared in both English and Punjabi in a way that's culturally adapted, 
and tries to meet the health literacy needs of the Punjabi community. Um, and we try to do it in, inter in an interactive way, because I think part of the gap um, has been that some of our public health interventions historically have been more prescriptive. They're designed by healthcare providers or by academics. And I think it's really important to engage with communities and listen to what their questions are, what their concerns are, and to be able to share information based on what those needs might be. Okay, we don't have a lot of time, but let me just uh, play the role of a parent. Uh, that might be expressing, mm -hmm. I think, a, a concern that you, you've likely heard and, and what your answer would be, which is, um, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I'm triple vaxxed. I've done everything. Um, the evidence shows that Omicron is not that serious, especially for younger kids. I think that the on a risk uh, analysis, the risk is greater of a new vaccine than exposing my child to a potential um, COVID-19 infection. And I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I, I would I would thank you for, um, you know, thinking through this. Um, I think it's really important and great that you and the other adults in your household have become vaccinated and have been able to access that for your own safety. Um, and we know that um, vaccines for children are safe, they are effective, um, and the risk of um, a, a child getting um, getting COVID-19 and then having long-term impacts, although rare, those are more serious and are um, more likely actually, statistically speaking, um, than, um, than adverse outcomes related to the vaccine itself. So when we think about long COVID um, or um, inflammatory disorders related to having COVID as well, we know those risks are higher. Um, and, that, and if we have a safe and effective um, mitigation strategy like this vaccine, um, I would really encourage you to, to, to take that up for your children's safety. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, doctor. Appreciate it very much. And thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you so much.